and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. We are really, really glad that you are part of the Crossroads family. We mean that. Uh, you know, it, it was, I thought it was kind of powerful, the start of that, that movie and just showing that, uh, that really he became a Grinch. His Grinchness started with the time of humiliation, and it started with the time of shame. And right now, we are in a series, the second part of a series called The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And it's a, a series about some of the things that, that happened to us in the past that affect us today and affect us in our future. It keeps us from being the person God wants us to be. It keeps us from the joy and peace that all the songs are talking about. And this one's going to be a, a, a little heavy at the start. I just want to warn you about that. But, uh, but it is going to be a, a message filled, filled with hope. But it's kind of we have to deal with the, the subject first before we get to the joyful part of that. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine one time, he had, uh, they found, or all, you could smell that there was a dead animal in, somewhere in his house. And if you've ever had that happen, you know, he had a crawl space under, and some animal had gotten in there, and it was horrible. I mean, terrible. You didn't even want to get in his house, because it just stunk so bad. And then one time, he just got, you know, he said, I've had enough, and no matter what it takes, I'm going to find that thing. And sure enough, he did. Uh, and, and what we're going to do is we're taking a look at these ghosts so we can get rid of them so we can live a life that they don't stink up the house anymore, so to speak. Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, about a subject that every, every one of us can relate to at one degree or another, and that's the, the subject of, of shame. And here's what somebody said about shame. They said this, shame is a soul-crushing, identity-warping emotion. Isn't that a great uh, a great description. Soul uh, uh, shame is a soul crushing, identity warping emotion, and I bet you every single one of us can think of times that that we felt that shame, we felt that feeling, we felt that soul crushing emotion uh, of shame. We can go back to that time or many of those times. And I thought of, uh, of several times of that when I was preparing this message. But for some reason, my mind went back to one particular thing. I was in elementary school, and there was a, a kid in our class named, named Joel. Now, Joel, usually quiet kid and everything, but I don't know what got into Joel one day. But Joel got all up in my face. I remember we were eating lunch, and his face is just turning red, and I don't even remember what it was about, but it was about nothing. So I remember just walking away and saying, Joel, I'm leaving, and walking away. And Joel would not have anything to do with that. And so he, he follows me out into the, uh, the, the outside and where we have now lunch break. And all of a sudden, he's back in my face, turning even redder than he was before. And I remember now all of a sudden, uh, you know, a lot of the school is now gathered around because they're sensing a fight going on. And, and my friends are gathered around me. Nobody gathered around him because nobody, he didn't have many, many friends. And I remember one of my friends, there's, you know, now people are hooting and hollering. I remember one of my friends gets behind him on all fours, which made it easy for me to push him. And he fell on his, his rear end in front of everybody that was laughing and everybody that now came up to me and was, was uh, patting me on the back as I walked away again. And I remember I didn't feel that joy. I didn't feel that like I was a hero or anything. I felt like an absolute, total chunk 
I felt like, I, because I, one thing I knew is I never wanted to ever see a face like his face again from anything that I did. And I, I can't tell you the shame that I felt that, uh, that day. You know, probably every single one of us can have heard these words or words very much like them. Either, either the, the words, uh, don't you feel ashamed or shame on you. We probably, and if we haven't heard those virtual words, I bet Satan has whispered those in our ear time after time after time, words like that to words to that effect, shame on you, and we've put those shames on us. And you know, I thought about another video, I thought about a cartoon of just, the, of something that just, of just hitting, hitting this person, and the, and the thing just stayed on him, stayed on him, and grew and grew and grew, and go ahead and show that, the scenes from The Incredibles. to me is a perfect picture of shame because Satan will do everything he can to, to put shame on you and shame on you and shame on you and shame on you until sometimes it even paralyzes us until it even keeps us from doing being anything or doing the things that we want to do uh, and certainly to live the life that God wants us to live and you know it can be anything can it it can be something in our past that maybe you had a an immoral past maybe you had a violent past maybe you had a sexual past Maybe there was a time like a, a, a person that came up to, to me that, that had an affair, and he, and he looks at me with tears in his eyes. He said, I ruined my family. Maybe it was like several ladies who have come up to, come up to me through the years, and, and they made a choice about a, a pregnancy that they had, and that choice has, has haunted them for their, uh, throughout their, their life. Maybe it's something that you, you have a secret there's a secret past that maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're caught up in a thought life. Maybe you're caught up in looking at things that, that, uh, that, are, uh, that, that, are, that are something that, that build lust in, instead, of, instead of godliness. Maybe it's something that you have a secret uh, addiction. Maybe it's something that, that you have a, a that you're, you're doing something. Maybe you're flirting with somebody at the office that's not your, that's not your spouse. Maybe it's some, I don't know where that goes. Maybe it's something that happened to you in the past that somebody did to you. You were, you were the victim. Maybe you've, you've been you know, abused in some way and you were the victim, but Satan has whispered in your ear that somehow you had something to do with that and somehow he has poured shame on you, shame on you when you did nothing wrong whatsoever. But the thing is that's happened is that has an effect on us. And I asked you, I asked many of you, I said, how is his shame, because there wasn't anybody that couldn't relate to shame. I said, how does it affect you? What has it made you say? What are some of the things that Satan has whispered to you about that, about that shame? And here's some of the things that you came up with. And I, the thing is that amazes me is some of these are the godliest people I've ever known, and these are some of the things that they've said. I'm defective. I'm disgusting. I'm damaged. I'm broken. I'm flawed. I'm dirty. I'm bad. I'm horrible. I'm impure, I'm a fake, I'm a fraud, I'm disgusting, I'm unlovable, I'm weak, I'm pitiful, I'm worthless, I'm unwanted, I'm unworthy, and I'm inadequate. All right, have a good day. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So, and so I want to say, 
you know, so I want you to know you're not alone if you've ever felt those, those things. I mean, Satan is trying to do that to every single one of us and does a good job with trying to put shame on us. Here's the big question. What is the difference between godly guilt, healthy guilt, and, uh, and, and shame? Uh, I think one big thing is, is this, that healthy guilt comes from God for our benefit. Condemnation or shame comes from Satan for our destruction. You know, when we've all seen had, uh, had appliances or had something like a, an automobile that had a warning light in it. And those warning lights are there for a purpose. They're, they're there to tell us there is something wrong. And it's there to tell us something wrong so we can change, so we can do something about it. Those warning lights are there for our benefit, not to try to wear us out or try to you know, bring, bring something into our, our life. And, and so, in other words, they're there to try to, to warn us that something's wrong so that we make a change. And like when I, when I did that to Joel, uh, it, 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 the, you know, it should. I, I should have felt something bad for that. I did feel something bad. I, but it also made me decide that I never wanted to do anything like that again. I never, ever, ever wanted to hurt another human being like I hurt Joel that day. It was a positive thing. That feeling that I was feeling inside of guilt was a positive thing to make me never, ever, ever want to do that, want to do that again. And, and you know, Pain can be a good thing. I mean, God gave us nerve endings to be uh, for something positive. Uh, in other words, this, you know, that we have nerve endings, and if we get too close to a stove, it's, it's the nerve endings there tell us to get away from that so we don't destroy ourselves, so we don't hurt ourselves. So it can be a positive thing. That's why it was, it was a good pain is something that God puts in us to keep us away from hurting ourselves or to hurt uh, other people. I want you to think that if, you know, if you have a, a child and maybe they did something wrong, say, say they punched their brother or sister. Now, we're hoping that they feel a little bad about that, right? And we don't want them to feel good about, about doing something bad. We want them to feel something, some, some remorse so that they don't ever do that again. Now, maybe say your teenagers, imagine your teenager doing something very, very, very bad, very, very, very stupid. Uh, I mean something that has affected their life or affecting your life or affect the family in a, in a big way. Again, you want them to feel bad about that. You want to feel them bad about that where they, they say, I don't ever want to do that again, and they turn to God, and they turn and say, I'm done with that, I'm finished with that, and I learn from their lesson, and they go on with life. But let me ask you this. Do you want them to wallow in the shame of that? Do you want them to stay in that event for the rest of their life? Do you want them to, to make it where that, that, whatever they did, and maybe forever how long they did it, do you want that to, to overshadow their life for the rest of their life, where they can't go on, where there's no joy in their life, where there's no peace in life? Of course not. So if you don't feel that way, if you, don't want, if you want the person to get over it, to go through that, to say, yes, I've learned from this, I repent of that, I turn from that, if you want that, how much more does God want us to go on from that, that he doesn't want us to wallow in our shame and to stay in our shame. He wants us to, to be free uh, of that. And something else there, too, is, is guilt is based on what I did. Shame is based on who I am. Guilt says this, you know, I did the wrong thing. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. It's based on what I said. But, but what shame is, therefore, I'm a bad person. Therefore, I'm a horrible person. Therefore, I'm unworthy. Therefore, whatever the, the word is that we, that we use there. Another thing is healthy guilt is meant to be temporary. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a warning light come on my car that said that I needed to, to put more air in my, in my tires. 
And so I did. I put air in the tires, and as soon as I put air in the tires, the, the warning light went off. And that's what godly guilt does. Godly guilt is when we ad admit it, when we say, okay, there's a problem, we address the problem, we repent of that, we, we do any reconciliation that we need to do with the other person. At that point, it's going to go away. That feeling, if it is godly guilt, it's going to go away. But if it is shame, oh, no, 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 it doesn't go away. Again, it just sticks to us and it stays to us and it stays on us and everything. And shame, okay, godly guilt is like a splinter. Once you get it out, it's cool and that pain doesn't, doesn't affect us anymore. But, but shame is like an infection that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. That weeks, months, even years later, it's still affecting us. It's still having an impact on our life. And, and so shame leads us to shame-based thinking. What is shame-based thinking? Let's see if you can relate to, to this. It's when our identity is colored by something that we've, uh, that we've done. Here's how shame-based thinking impacts us. First of all, it makes us vulnerable to perfectionism. Something that shame-based thinking will do is, is we want to silence that, uh, that shame in our life. So we determine saying, you know what, I'm just going to do better, I'm just going to do better, I'm not going to blow it anymore, I'm not going to blow it anymore. Do you remember several years ago, the Avis, the, the car company, used to have these buttons that said, we'll try harder, we try harder. And that's kind of what we do when all of a sudden, when we are, when we are, are, are shame-based thinking, it's just going, okay, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder. And the problem is with that is, is first of all, we aren't perfect and we'll never be perfect. And what happens is a lot of times we get into this negative cycle of we try harder, we try harder, we try harder, we put on our Avis button and, and we blow it again and we're even more discouraged with ourselves. Can anybody relate to this? And so we determine that we're going to try even harder, we get a bigger Avis button and then we blow it again because we're human beings and, and we're even mere, mere, more disappointed in ourselves and we're, we put a bigger one on and we just feel the cycle of, of more frustration with ourselves, more disappointment with ourselves and we stay in this crazy cycle. Another thing is, is we put, it puts us in on a performance roller coaster. Tell me if you can relate to this. That if we're on a performance roller coaster, here's what we think. That, that maybe we're doing really good for a, a week in our life, a season in our life. We're doing really good, and we're going, okay, God must really love me now. God must really, and I'm going to pray because God's going to answer my prayers because I'm doing real well. But then all of a sudden, we, we, we say something, we do something, we slide back, whatever it is, and, and then we're going, God must not love me anymore. And I'm not even going to bother to pray because it sure is not going to work out. And, and I'm not going to go to church because, I, yeah, man, I shouldn't be there or anything like that. And, and so we get in this crazy cycle of up and down and up and down. God loves me, God doesn't. God's ashamed of me, God's not. And we go in this crazy performance cycle. And that's one of the things that we do. If we are shame-based thinking, it will lead us to those crazy cycles. Another thing it, uh, it does is it, we become hypercritical of ourselves and other people. Uh, somebody who is shame-based, they don't need anybody else to put them down because they put themselves down uh, enough. They're their own worst enemy that they can never live up to their own expectations and they became extremely they become obsessed with how they do and how much they, they they do it that becomes the obsession and what happens is then they project that on other people they see what they see they will see their yuckiness something about their yuckiness in somebody else and man they will attack it in them just like they attack it in their own in their own life they will go after it 
And maybe that's why sometimes, maybe, maybe, you know, this Christmas season, maybe mom, instead of it being a two or a three, she takes it to a ten, whatever the thing is. And maybe she's dealing with something that has nothing to do with what the issue is right there. It's dealing, she's dealing with something back that's happened many years ago. Or like a, a lady told me just a couple of weeks ago that she said her Christmases were her dad getting drunk every time and just making a mess of, of everything. And I thought, you know, again, there's a reason why we do that. We go back to shame-based thinking. But what happens is he's probably dealing with the shame back here and he's going to make himself and everybody miserable over here. Or maybe it's your in-laws that they put you down about how you're raising your kids and the reason they're doing that is they're, because they're ashamed of how they raise their, their own kids. And we can get into this thing. And let me just say this. If, if somebody who is shame-based, if you see somebody who is hypercritical, I, I guarantee you they are dealing with some shame-based thinking. And if you're the one that is hypercritical uh, with, with yourself and everybody else, I challenge you, I encourage you to go back. Where is that starting from? Where is the shame-based thinking? Where did it start? And deal with those shameful uh, uh, events in order to, to, to get over and today, my deepest prayer is, is that God does an amazing work here. Uh, and that I'm going to read a couple of verses, and I pray these verses get, get in us. And here's what I want. As I read this verse, I'm going to go ahead and throw the verse up there of, of Isaiah 54, if, if you would. And I want, I want us to read this together, okay? Let's read this together. And I don't want to just read it. Soak it in. Let this be you know, God's promise to you today. Go ahead. Let's read this. Fear not. For you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. And here's something I want us to do. Let's go, uh, uh, let's go back to, to that again. Go put it to the, to the front. And every time we see a, a you, let's put a I in there. Every time, and, and let's make this personal. Fear not. I will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for me. I will no longer remember the shame of my, of my youth. In other words, this, don't miss this, don't miss this, this is important. In other words, God is saying not shame on you, shame off you. In other words, God doesn't want shame on you, shame on you where it goes. God wants shame off you, and that's the promise from God, if we can just grab, uh, grab hold of that. And, you know, last week I had a lady come up, and she, in great courage, talked about her, her addiction, uh, her uh, drug addiction. She came to faith in Jesus Christ, and I told her the story about the prodigal son, and that's very, uh, you know, uh, familiar to many of us. And it's a story about a, a, a kid that did some very shameful things, didn't he? What he did is he, is he asked for his father's inheritance ahead of time, which is basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I'm just going to do my own thing. And so he took that inheritance, and, and he, he squandered it on prostitutes. He squandered it on wild living, the Bible says. And it came to the point where he had nothing left. He was, he was absolutely stone broke. And he, he ends up getting a job as a Jewish kid with uh, feeding feeding pigs, which is the worst thing you could possibly do, the worst imaginable job for a Jewish boy. And so he realizes that, man, my, my dad's servants are, are eating better than me. So the Bible says he came to his senses. Now think of this. Right now, he didn't have a change of clothes. He's been working with pigs. He has, he has pig stuff all 
over him. He is covered with shame. Here is a person who has absolutely caused shame to himself, has caused shame to his dad, has caused shame to his family name, brought shame everywhere we went. And he takes this walk back to his, to his house, to his family, to his dad. And the Bible in this beautiful way says, while he was a long way off, his dad saw him and he ran to him. And, and, and here's, this, here's this beautiful story is this. He took off the clothes and he put on his, his, his robe. And then he put on his, his, uh, his own ring on his, on his son's finger. In other words, he's doing this. Not sh he could have done this. Oh, he could have done this. He could have said, I can't believe you did what you did. <clears throat> Excuse me. You are such a disappointment as a, as a son. You are saying, I can't believe what you did. You drug our name through this. You did all this and could have been there with an accusing finger. But instead he was there with open arms and a robe and a, and, and a ring. And he's saying these. In other words, he's saying, son, no, no, no. Not shame on you. Shame off you. Not only shame off you, but also grace on you. And the same thing is what God says to you today and gives us the incredible promise because of Jesus Christ. He says this, not, not shame on you, shame off you. And instead of shame being on you, grace is offered to you. The Bible says this, that he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. That's a straight line. That's forever. He says he throws our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, he said, not, not shame on you, grace on you. Not condemnation on you, but hope and forgiveness on us in, uh, instead. And the big question is, if God offers that grace, then how come we live in shame? How come many of us still are in the sh uh, on shame, even though, even though we've been forgiven for that shame? Because a lot of times it's become our identity, just like it was with the Israelites. The Israelites, I mean, you think about it. They were in captivity for 420 years. 420 years. That's how long they were slaves. You know what that meant? That meant not only were they slaves, if you were born back then, not only were you a slave, your parents were slaves, your grandparents were slaves for 19 more generations. Your great, 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 grandmother and grandfather were slaves. That means that is all you knew. You thought like a slave. You thought, I am worthless. My life doesn't count for anything. I am unworthy of anything. I am simply a slave. Now, here was the amazing thing. That God set those people free, free through, through Moses. And they are set free from Egyptian captivity. And they go in. And even though they are free, they still think like slaves. And they're still acting like slaves so much of the, the time in the, in the Bible. And that's something that we do too sometimes is sometimes we keep thinking of ourselves in ways we're not, that we have been forgiven. When we confess our sins, God forgives us. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whatever we're going through, whatever that shame is that's still being on you, God is saying shame off you. And let's not let Satan rub that in our face anymore when we, something we've been forgiven for. And something else, too, is this. The, the Bible says this in Joshua. Listen to this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today, if you're, if you're watching this, I want you to hear this. Today, not tomorrow, not when you finally get your act together, 
not when suddenly your performance is up to snuff. Today, God says this, and it wasn't based on their performance, by the way, because they were not still not doing a pretty good performance at this time. Today, I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Today, 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 today. And I looked, at, looked up the word for, uh, for rolled away uh, in the Hebrew, and it literally means to roll something away. And we're going to take a look at a video here, and it's, it's people, well, guys, it's always guys rolling something away, and they're, they're rolling things away. And I want you to think, as these things are rolling away, what are the shames that you have? What are the biggest shames? And every time something is rolled away, just watch this, and this is God, you know, have this as an imagery of God rolling away the shame in your life. what the Bible says instead of shame and dishonor you will enjoy I love this you will enjoy a double share of honor instead of shame a double share of honor and instead of disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance you will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours Romans 10 9 and 10 says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead we will be saved for it is with our mouth we confess and are justified as our heart we believe we are, are saved as the scripture says anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame we can bow our head and close our eyes maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and you've never received that forgiveness and the shame is still on you or at least the this, the, the guilt is still there. And today, 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 as we just read, we can, we can be free from that. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that, uh, that he rose from the dead, we can be saved. So I want to start out with that. If you've ever, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him for forgiveness, if you've never surrendered to him, right now, in front of your computer, in this room, I ask you to pray this prayer sincerely from your heart. And if everybody else could pray this prayer out loud, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my shame. 
forgive me of my guilt. I know you died on the cross to set me free. So I ask you to set me free. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Take the steering wheel of my life. You be the boss. In Jesus' name. And maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but there is shame on you that you've allowed, we've allowed Satan just to, just to put that shame in. It is, it has affected us. It's affected our joy. It's affected our peace. It's affected what we do, that sometimes we start thinking like a slave instead of like a, a son or a daughter. And I want you to hear these words again. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. You'll possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. There's gonna, the altar is open. There's going to be people here who want to pray for you as we come up and as we lay our burdens down, as we lay our shame down and receive. Because here's what God wants to say. Not shame on you, shame off of you. Not shame on you, but grace on you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.